Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 24 of All This and World War II. Today is the first time that we're taking a look at a branching path in this adventure. You'll recall that in the last scene, our heroes fought the Cavalier robot, then fought the much more dangerous random mooks, beat those mooks, searched those mooks, and now have their choice of how to proceed with an investigation about how said mooks broke into the secret base in New Mexico and why they did so. There are a number of avenues to pursue, but fortunately I earlier came up with three super teams per the instructions in this book so that we could follow each route through the story with a different super team. Today, in chapter four, colon, polite conversation, we are going to follow Ford's Furies, the redoubtable official American super team commissioned by Gerald Ford in a failed bid for re-election as they get in on the interrogation of these captured gunmen. But before we get to that, we've got to address the art on this page. This is the beginning of a trend in this book where the art appears to have been drawn by someone who is unfamiliar with First of all, any of these characters, these West Coast Avengers who are in the pictures, and secondly, perhaps with the idea of superhero comics, at least as they existed in 1989. Because the picture on this page is of a man, one of the captured gunmen, sitting in a chair tied up with rope. There's a swastika armband on his upper arm. Hawkeye is yelling at him, badgering him. Wonder Man, of all people, is standing in the shadows, looking as menacing as he can with his ill-conceived shoulder-length hairdo. Very bad look for Simon Williams. And Vision, looking stern but basically unmoved, is just backhanding the shit out of this captive, out of this tied-up man. Now, I understand that he's a Nazi. But given that this is the Vision, who is both a robot and a superhero, given that this is a captive, and given that there is no immediate threat to anyone, it is very strange to see Vision, this bright green and red superhero, just beating a captive, trying to get answers. It's out of character, but at the same time, I can perhaps understand why the artist drew this, because if this isn't what the superheroes in this scene are supposed to do, I'm at a loss as to what the fuck this scene is about. Let's just go through it. Okay, so here we are. We are Ford's Furies. We go to see if we can interrogate the prisoners. Quote, Michael Casey, the chief of complex security, and a team of his officers will shuttle the commandos off to the base's brig and detention center immediately after the break-in while Fury runs to his office to report and monitor incoming communications. Ten minutes later, a couple of the commandos will regain consciousness, and the base personnel will begin the preliminary interrogation. Here's what I, the GM, read to you. Quote, You make your way past a throng of personnel into the facility's security and detention wing. Since the break-in, the entire base has suddenly become a madhouse. Michael Casey, the chief of security, meets you inside. So far, we haven't been able to get much out of them. Go ahead, take your best shot. Michael Casey has no character traits except that he is bright-eyed and optimistic, so I have no choice but to turn that one trait up as high as it'll go. He tells Ford's Furies, go ahead, take your best shot. Of course, you're official superheroes. Each of you swore, in front of the giant-sized Gerald Ford statue in front of your headquarters, the Hall of American Virtue, that you would uphold basic American virtue and defend the national welfare and obey the orders of the commander-in-chief. I mean, try to keep it legal, but, you know, it would be safe to assume you will be pardoned if you take things a little too far. It's what Ford would have wanted. So, quote, 
The heroes will then be led into Casey's office, which currently houses one of the commandos, guarded by a team of four security officers. No matter what questions the heroes ask, the prisoner will only respond, quote, Schmidt Konrad, 776K46617G, in a thick German accent, or as close as this podcast host can approximate one. Quote, after a few moments, Casey will comment, yeah, that's all we got out of the other one, except his name is Herman Volkman, and his number is 885K37381G. It's obviously supposed to be some kind of military service number, but we've been checking the records. There is no record of a 776K46617G or 885K3-7381G in any armed force in the world. We've even checked out the Warsaw Pact nations. The serial number just doesn't fit any known format. Now, you're no doubt asking yourself, has the security chief of Not Quite Shield considered checking past military service number formats? Given that these men are wearing swastikas, could you perhaps check whether the Nazis used this kind of format? But Michael Casey, listen, he is but a lad. This conceivably is his first day on the job here at the Not Quite Shield research base in New Mexico. He can't be expected to deduce that these German men dressed in Nazi garb using authentic Nazi weapons, might be, you know, Nazis. So he's stumped. Now, this seems like a setup for uh, an encounter, a puzzle, a challenge, a thing that you would do. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you have a scene in a role-playing game, typically what you would expect is that the protagonists in that scene, the player characters, would do something. But there's really only one note here that addresses the possibility of the player characters doing anything. Quote, of course... Psychic powers would help the interrogation quite a bit, but the Nazis have undergone training that makes them difficult to hypnotize, minus two column shifts to any attempt to use telepathy or hypnosis on the commandos. So, okay, we got a lot of dumb things competing for attention on this page, but dumb thing number one, I hate this shit where conveniently random NPCs have special anti-psychic training for a number of reasons. Number one, it leaves all the player characters saying, hey, we fight psychics all the time, like it's more foreseeable a thing for us than for them. Why don't we have anti-psychic training? Number two, it is nakedly a plot contrivance to shut down characters who are supposed to be good at figuring this sort of thing out, right? Like we just fought a giant robot and a pack of commandos. The characters with guns and lots of strength and body armor and flame powers, they just had their day. If I'm playing some nebbishy giant-headed psychic with my big bulging brain and no combat abilities, I was like cowering and hiding during that whole thing. Now it's time to interrogate a prisoner I would love to be able to use my mind control or my mind reading to help us with this interrogation. But all this psychic training tells me is the GM has decided that your powers would be too useful in this scene. Therefore, he has confiscated them for the duration. There is a final point about why this is dumb. And to understand that one, you have to hear the aftermath of this scene. Quote, after checking out the commandos, the heroes have several possible courses of action. First of all, if they caught the chronal locomotion clue in Kruppman's lab back in chapter two and put it together with the commando's World War II weaponry and the information they just gained through the interrogation, they might begin to suspect that the commandos are from the past. In this case, they will probably want to visit Kruppman's lab in order to check him out. And then it goes on to say they might also want to go talk to Nick Fury. They might also want to go do research about the skull and crossbones badges that they found on these uh, commandos. They might also want to go investigate the perimeter, all the other options we've already seen. There's no mention of even the possibility that the player characters get any more information than name and invalid serial number from these prisoners. Not even a statement that it's impossible. Just there is no provision for the possibility of any progress being made in this interrogation scene. That's railroading. 
but it's also bad railroading. Here's the thing, and I don't want to get deep into the exact team composition and powers of Ford's Furies in this episode. That's for patrons. You can go to Patreon. Throughout the season, patrons are going to be getting little bios of all the members of all the various super teams. But it happens to be relevant today that Ford's Furies are extremely well situated to make this interrogation go the way they want it to go. Uh, we've got Cub Scout, a Marine turned CIA asset turned werewolf cub who has knowledge of guns, knowledge of history, specifically European history, which pretty heavily features the Germans in World War II. And he's got a psyche of like 40, which I believe is the stat that you use to intimidate or manipulate people. We've got Scoop, who is a professional journalist, among other things. And most importantly, we have a member of this team. And I swear that this is not a contrivance on my part. This just happened. We've got a member of Ford's Furies codenamed All Ears. All Ears is both literally and figuratively All Ears. He's an extremely good listener in every sense of the word. And he happens to have the emotion detection superpower at the rank of amazing. That's 50. That's even higher than incredible. Even with two column shifts, that's still remarkable. He should be able to tell how these commandos feel when certain questions are asked to them. It's like having them hooked up to a polygraph, right? He's going to know how worried they feel, how stressed they are in response to the various questions that are asked to them. So even if they won't answer, if the rest of the Furies just ask questions to this captive and all ears covertly keeps track of his emotions, the team should be able to get a pretty good sense of whether they're on the right track about a lot of their speculation, including whether these are time travelers, whether they're working with uh, other people on the base. For example, perhaps a fellow German whose name means, roughly translated, corrupt man. I don't want to spoil things for you, dear listener, because I'm being a lot more careful here than the author of the module is, but suffice it to say there are a number of yes or no questions that the team could ask whose answers would reveal just an awful lot of information that the player characters aren't supposed to have yet. In fact, it's enough information to pretty much skip the clue trail and go right to scene seven from here. And that's just with emotion detection. That's just with the extreme listening skills of all ears. What if you've got an actual mind reader on the team or an actual mind controller who've got a power at a similar rank? They should be able to get this captive to answer questions that would lead you to, I don't know, scene 10. I mean, that's skipping like six scenes in a 23 scene adventure with the information you logically should be able to get in this scene if you happen to be a powerful psychic. But that's not how it's supposed to go down. You are not supposed to get any information in this scene. And I think that's the dumbest thing because, okay, you can't account for every superpower. I think this was a pretty glaring oversight to ignore the very present possibility that the heroes would have powers that would allow them to force these captives to talk. But let's say the hero team has none of these problematic powers. The hero team contains no psychics, no wizards who can somehow get visions of what this person knows, nobody with super senses keen enough to know if they're on the right track with their questioning, etc. In that event, in the intended event that there's no headway the player characters can make, what do you as players think you're supposed to be doing here? You're in an interrogation room, you've got this guy roped up to a chair in front of you, you've got the big light swinging overhead, he's told you his name and his serial number, which means nothing, and nothing else. What would you think you're supposed to do in this interrogation scene? Like, wouldn't you assume that there's some information you're supposed to get? So you're going to start trying things. I mean, if you're if you're the Visions player, you're going to be looking back and forth between this Nazi and the GM. Like, do I do I hit him? Like, do you want me to beat the shit out of this man who's tied up to a chair? Do you want me to start materializing fingers in this guy's brain or what? Like, what what am I supposed to do? Because I'm asking questions, he's not answering. I'm intimidating him, he's not answering. 
I'm threatening him. He's not answering. I'm using all my abilities to pick up clues from like his body. Like, what does he smell like? Hey, Tigre, get over there. Get a sniff. Can you tell where this guy's been? Nope. No information. So what now? I guess let's let's push over this chair and let's all just kick the shit out of this guy until he says something. Because otherwise, I don't understand what the point of this interrogation scene is. There is no point, Vision. I'm sorry, this must be confusing to your synthesoid brain, as it is to my human brain, but there is no point to this interrogation scene. When you arrive, Michael Casey tells you all they'll tell us is name and serial number. You go to interrogate the prisoner, and sure enough, all they'll tell you is name and serial number, even if you're goddamn Professor X. There is simply no other information to be gained. You might as well have talked to Michael Casey and then turned the fuck around and walked back to Nick Fury's office, since he always knows exactly what you're supposed to do next. Except... There is one karma award for this scene. You get five points of karma for interrogating the prisoner. So <laughs> you are you are rewarded for going into the room and fruitlessly asking questions and then leaving again. Just as long as you try. You can E for effort. That's the way karma works, right? If somebody's tied to a chair and you start pummeling them because you want them to give you information and they don't, that's like you're putting positive energy into the universe by trying to learn, right? That's good karma. Anyway. Whether you've got somebody like All Ears with you or not, certainly the West Coast Avengers pictured here don't, this scene provides no information except maybe if you want to go look it up, you might find out that these serial numbers are Nazi in origin. Join me next time when we look at a couple of other slightly more productive ways to investigate this break-in on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.